welcome to the Rowan channel. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. We're done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> people I either kind of knew or had never met before and allowing them to be vulnerable in this space with me is my motivation to let people just say if they wanted to be on here do you want to come talk to me come talk to me like I'm here for you because I wanted to record a theme song and some interim music for the podcast, I asked some of my very talented musical friends to make some noises for me. And we ended up not really finding a space to do that in. So we went to my friend Mario's car and just sat there and recorded for about an hour and a half. So if there's yeah. five of us, Is it then. picking us up? Yeah. Do you want to listen? Wait, I'm not participating. Yeah. Wait, do you want to participate? If you want to, I mean, I don't What is the nature of this Wait, podcast? Hello? I mean, this is a podcast episode, a meditation, a theoretical exploration of the the feminized (laughs) voice. There's my whole pitch. Hey, you're on here for you. I'm here today with Rose Gelfand. She's awesome. We've had some righteous discussions in the past couple of days that I'm really excited to get into. Hi, Rose. Hi. I was starting chill. I, I, I'm Cassidy. I'm 20. I'm a piece of. <laughs> that wasn't necessary, uh, but uh, let's get into it. It's still funny. We're so excited, and by we, I mean the royal we, which is myself. I'm so excited to have a very special woman guest on today. Her name is Emma Josephine Ambler, and I'm so impressed that I remembered her middle name. I'm here today with a very awesome guest. Uh, Her name is Valerie Jackman. She's a junior at Scripps College. She's a psych major. Mm -hmm. And she's so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm just going to say that uh, right away so there's no confusion. Um, yeah, and we're we're gonna get into it. How are you doing, Val? I'm good. How are <laughs> I just you? call you Val because <laughs> okay. that is uh, we're comfortable, we're yeah. casual. Uh, we've created like a, a moment where the lights are off, <laughs> so it's sensor deprivation, mm-hmm. disembodiment of the voice from the whatever. This is I'm doing great. Um, okay, awesome. Well, I mean, I love to lead these things in with the basic question: mm-hmm. How do you feel about your voice? Mm-hmm. I would say I feel like my voice is very contextual um, and that I, I don't know, I have a lot of friends who seem to have like a similar, even like level of talking, like as far as how loud they are, like with their family, friends in class and that type of thing. But I feel like it really depends for me on my level of comfort with people. Like if I am with like the closest 10 people to me I guess like some family some friends like I tend to be really loud and outgoing um but until I know people for a pretty long time and feel really comfortable I have a pretty kind of like soft-spoken and um 
just like more reserved voice yeah and like way of expressing myself in general so i usually start by asking how do you feel about your voice um i feel pretty good it helps me say things physically mm. and mentally and spiritually and emotionally it helps me express who i am and not only who i am meant to be but who i think i am meant to be and if that means I am meant to be a piece of shit, then yes, my voice communicates that. And I am fine with it because I think diversity of personality is great and also gives people an excuse to be weird. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a really great question. For me specifically, I have been insecure for like a, several years now about the concept of vocal fry, which I'm sure you were familiar with, mm -hmm. um, because my, I think I was like in seventh grade and some boy told me that I sounded like a man when I spoke. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I thought it was funny, like I laughed it off, but then I was talking about it to my mom later and she was like, well, sweetie, you do speak really low in the register of your of your voice. And that's like a thing and it's not really healthy for your vocal cords. But I think maybe you do it because you're anxious or like maybe mm. because you like there's so many psychological reasons behind mm -hmm. why my vocal fry like whatever needing to feel safe and like mm. needing to feel more masculine in such a masculine dominated culture. So then when I get into a vocal fry moment, which right now I think I maybe am a little bit, but mm. it's definitely been worse. It's hard for me to get out of it. Like it's like kind of freaky. And then I start noticing it in like other in my friends, too, and it will kind of bother me but i have no idea how to bring that up because i don't want to mm -hmm. like critique somebody's voice that's what it i'm really sticks. interested in looking at is the kind of repercussions and like reverberations yeah. through our brains and our bodies yeah. like how we remember criticism of the voice oh and God. then societal pressures to muffle our voices yeah i was talking about the um the vocal fry thing mm -hmm. <laughs> my friend the like was like, yeah, you're going to ruin your voice with your vocal fry. You're not going to, like, have a voice when you're older. Uh, and I was so stressed about it, slash still am. Just because it's, it, like, technically, you know, it's healthier for us to talk like this. If we're going to, like, talk, yeah. then it should be in this, like, comfortable register. But no one talks like that. No. And vocal fry is not, like, a condition that needs to be no. solved. <laughs> it's what happens when, you're vo when you press down on your larynx. It's totally yeah. natural. Men have really bad vocal fry, too. And it's just another way to put women in boxes or people with feminized voices into, into weird structures. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then, but we don't say this until, the, and I'll do like, and then what is the part that you wanted to add? We can like practice this part. Okay, first, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, ready? Oh, boys. Boys. Oh, boys. Oh, oh sorry. Boys. Okay, okay. Boys. In the theoretical research for this podcast project, I've been doing a lot of readings about vocal fry and kind of the demographics for that. And, and there have been studies that actually show that it's not 
necessarily a feminized trait, that mm. it's more correlated to age mm. rather than gender. So people under 25 are more likely to have vocal fry than either gender is. There was also a reflection about different NPR spokespeople or people who are radio hosts. And um, even though there were pretty equitable levels of vocal fry used between male and female hosts, NPR got a lot of feedback that people didn't like the female host's vocal fry. Talking While Female, part of NPR's look at image and the changing lives of women. A woman's voice is not authoritative. People will not believe her. I don't think that I should have to change my voice. I would like to think that people are capable of listening to the content of what I'm saying. Studies have shown that lower-pitched voices are perceived as more competent. So the lesson is talk lower. But there's really a limit to the degree you can do that, and that actually leads to vocal fry. And the actual physical mechanism of vocal fry happens when you kind of lose breath support or lose vocal energy or when you're trying to make your voice sound lower. Mm -hmm. So when I try to talk like this, my voice gets like that. And so... Like, I think I just did it. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, so no. female broadcasters have historically needed to have these low voices in order to have vocal authority. Mm-hmm. And so they have been pushing their voices to a register that isn't comfortable for them. Yeah. And I want to send you this study about uh, vocal authority, which is basically something that is the root of this work. Um, and I'm kind of working with the idea that it's not a gendered or actual vocal quality that gives you vocal authority. It's authenticity and trustworthiness, Mm. which are kind of associated with the podcast format more so than broadcast journalism, which is Mm -hmm. kind of a theatrical, you know, you have to be kind of vocally trained Mm -hmm. in order to excel. This is the proper register for your voice. When you're speaking a proper register, it's like airy, it's like this is here, but this is how I talk. But this is more healthy for my voice. This is how I talk. But this is how you're supposed to talk. What if people just spoke like this? But if people spoke like this, it would be the 1800s. No. This is no, no, no. Whoa, maybe some, actually some radio, or some radio people, the, the people, of, the lady at NPR speaks like this. Welcome to NPR. Welcome to NPR. This is Essie coming from you live. You have such good podcast voice. Oh no, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to combat. Is that people need to have a podcast voice. Oh. <laughs> I don't think it's different than your normal voice. I just feel like hearing your voice through the system, I'm like, wow, I'm listening to someone on a podcast. That's really funny. I was just on the phone with my mom, though, and she actually does voiceover work. And I completely disassociated all of that when I was picking this topic, when I was having these interviews. And I also repressed that I did voiceover work (laughs) as a child. Oh, my God. I did voiceover work as a child. Really? A little bit. um, I did, like, a weird – I think it was, like, an exhibit at the aquarium. Yeah, there's – now I think about there's so many different ways that a voice gets – used into like for completely different ends like what you're saying like I'm thinking about like in an airport the overhead announcements which is like typically a female person or female sounding voice saying like please don't leave your baggage uh remember attend all baggage will be destroyed like and she says it like it's always that like incredibly feminized sort of voice mm-hmm. which is kind of everywhere next series kind of a similar example of that like 
very submissive, but also at the same time assertive, submissively, like, submissively <laughs> assertive. Like the the words that they, they, these like robots slash announcements are saying are fairly assertive and demanding, but they're quite submissive. So basically, there's this idea of the Western acceptable voice that people are used to hearing their information from, and that is you know, completely biased. Um, And this study basically just said that listeners' ears are just used to hearing certain aesthetics of authority, whereas the podcasting format is this place where that doesn't seem to be the rule because it is such a new medium and it's more like having a discussion with a friend, which is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You'd rather hear kind of an authentic voice. You don't want to hear someone putting on a specific kind of cadence or or Mm -hmm. vocal quality that isn't genuine because you're hearing more personal kinds of advice from them or you're interacting with them. You know, it's really intimate. You hear someone talking to you in your ear. I'll try to keep it like clean. I can just do a little like, <laughs> like a little bleep. I think that'd be funny, <laughs> you know, like like the bleep or the wait. I was gonna say you should blur out, but then I'm just like, wait a second, you can't film someone swearing on radio. Can That's you not Photoshop how an audio file. <laughs> you know what? No, because Photoshop is just, <laughs> just looking kidding. and sh- Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so mean. You know I'm gullible. I mean, it was a rhetorical question because you were like, oh, okay. well, I didn't know that was rhetorical because I'm oh. dumb as sh- That's how this works. Uh. You know, like, like whenever an image is manipulated, it loses some of its aura. And its aura, I don't know how healing crystals is that. Um, an aura is like the original intention of the photo like a photo of my hand would be just a photo of my hand but if someone took it and resized it it would be a little bit different right because they're using it for their own curation not what it is originally and then like if you deep fry it make it all edgy and shit like it's completely lost its meaning as my hand it's just a deep fried hand that's okay that sounds so nasty Mm. A deep fried picture of a normal hand, a normal hydrated living hand Mm. is what I meant. I'll tell a story about something that happened and then that telling, you know, I'll tell it to like a couple people and it will like sort of naturally start falling into like a pattern of how I tell that story. Yes. And then over time, like that story becomes the truth and that Mm -hmm. story like becomes my memory. My sister one time, literally, she was, I was in the back seat, she was sitting in the passenger seat, and she, this is, she was like, she's probably like 12, and she's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I was like, in Carol, what are you doing? She's like, I'm trying to scare myself, shut up. Maybe like listening back to this will kind of add to your self-knowledge <laughs> and just seeing yeah. how you chose to articulate certain things, or, um. The way your voice sounded when you said certain things yeah. or, or oh how God. your voice changed throughout the kind of talking process. Hearing the sound of my own voice is so weird. Mm. Always. Like listening to poems. So weird. You guys send me your poems. Um, I can like ah! sample one of your performances. I put Icy Hot on five times today. And by put on, I mean swiped my shoulders front and back up my neck. Right above back of elbow, shoulder blades. Full spine over hips, hip crease, thigh, 
but for dance soreness. Anyways, I can nerd out on this forever. And there's a lot of choreographers that like do a lot of really yikes things like, you know, body stuff, Mm -hmm. lots of really intense fat phobia and like moments where people would be like, I'm so like discriminated against in the industry. People are so mean to me about my body. But like also like Mm -hmm. you need dancers body needs to look this way and like. I'm going to stop eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go back to being this way and like just really propagate super harmful ideologies mm-hmm. while simultaneously claiming being oppressed when they're not mm-hmm. uh, for the size of their body when they're like very traditionally skinny women. Um, and that annoys the fuck out of me. And by five times, I mean after my morning routine. Before I put clothes on while I'm eating a croissant in the middle of a bad poem. In classrooms where the desk digs into my stomach at work between steaming. In the bathroom of the party while scrolling Twitter on the beach in bed at 5 p.m. In bed at 4 a.m. when I pretzel myself baked at 350 degrees. I basically deal with like pain constantly in terms of like inflammation but also just, like, a lot of lack of mobility and, like, a lot of nerve pain as well, which is, for me, very different than, like, muscular, like, um, like structural pain. It's more, like, pins and needles, like, that type of thing. When my neck feels like it's going to snap off where any movement cracks the earth of my joints as I wonder, is this mine now? This inability to last the whole night. This ow, 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 my back upward clack of arms overhead my muscles screamed stretched belly what the is this state of being and is it staying the night again waking me up to wring my spine out in a twist of legs each morning is this the fire so technically my what i deal with is called sears and it's chronic inflammatory response syndrome Um, which actually is caused by mold exposure, um, which I found out that I was exposed to mold pretty much since the time I was born, like my house growing up, which I still live in at home. Um, So that's a bit concerning. And I think like that's the majority of it. It's just like pretty much constant inflammatory. And like a lot of people, a lot of doctors at least have said I like mimic a lot of fibromyalgia type of symptoms, but instead of like more generalized like central pain it's more like specific areas because specific areas of my body are inflamed or is this the inability to clear the smoke off every jacket i own is it the vestige of the freeze the fingers which jaywalked over the pavement of me now clenching each corner of my back in their fist is it the lack of sleep my inability to stand still The prank call telling me I am too large to live in a body on this godforsaken orange peeling itself. Is there a reason? I am scooping sticky blue onto my skin every two seconds. Or is this a keyless door? An earthquake that was always due in time? Are there ever moments where you feel like you can't open up to people or that they would like have some kind of strange reaction yeah I definitely think that it has kind of gotten to this place of like common understanding that 
I've opened up with them to the point of being like, there are some times when I'm just going to need space. But my sophomore year, I came back and I was like, I'm just going to be really real with everyone. Like, I can't really use my body in the way that you guys do. And like, I just had to have really real and hard conversations with people that eventually got me to a place where I'm like, my friends know if I'm going out with them, like I might have to go in early or like not walk as fast or certain things like that where like I was just so scared of having those conversations that I was like I'm just gonna remove myself altogether Mm. but having people around me now especially my girlfriend as well who I've like really really opened up to she's so in tune with me I think like more than anyone ever has been in terms of like my physical health she's almost like consensed like oh this isn't probably a good night for you where I almost don't even have to say it which like I find so valuable it just like feels Mm. really good to have someone who's that in tune with me we don't really talk about our bodies that much mm-hmm. in terms of their functions and what mm-hmm. they what they do for us or don't do for us mm-hmm. and I think that that as a part of your daily life has made you so much more cognizant of that mm-hmm. and so it's really good that you feel like you can talk about that with people but also it, it must be something you are kind of like oh I have to like say this again <laughs> like I wish I had like a whiteboard so maybe you can play this for people and be like this is what's up yeah uh, this is how you should react to me being like I can't do this mm-hmm. just be unfailingly understanding and, mm-hmm. and compassionate to your friends because yeah. you don't know what anyone is going through and yeah. you don't know what it's like to be in their body can yeah. you be like oh 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 yeah okay but with that's ha- even better <laughs> sorry no you have just like that role that I can't get but you, you have you have a role it. that I can't get to. It's different. You have different roles. <laughs> I can't do that solo. Because you say I can't do that. It's after you just did that. Right. <laughs> I know that in the beginning of these, because I've been editing them, yeah. I'm like, hey, like my voice is Hi. like so much higher pitched. <laughs> it's so irritating. Yeah. And it's just because I'm nervous, and that's yeah. what like this like the voice tends to do is like raise, raise and pitch when you're nervous. Um, but that's why the podcasting format's great because like you don't have to be nervous because you're not you know doing a script. It's not yeah. high pressurized environment. <laughs> hey, how do you pronounce your name? Is it Rowan, 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 Rowan? I say ruin, ruin. That's what I do. <laughs> I ruined my life. <laughs> no, it's like it's like rowing, like rowing a boat. And then oh, I do a okay, gesture okay. so that people know, and then they're like, that's weird. I actually stopped introducing myself to people at parties. For real? Oh, or that's smart. At parties or, like, even in real life when I just that's wasn't fine. into it. Because if I knew that I didn't have the energy to remember their names, I didn't want them to feel like they had to remember mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I've gotten better at having genuine interest in other people. I think it's like a depression thing. Like when Definitely. you're sad, you just aren't interested in other people. So you don't care. You're not interested in anything. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm like meeting people and I've like just been in like a sad state, <laughs> I'm like, I don't. I'm sorry. You met me in a sad state. Please try again <laughs> three business weeks later. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're out of the office for six months, but <laughs> we hope we'll get back from this mental vacation soon. Let me put you on hold for a second. <laughs> You're just on a sad island where, like, <laughs> there are no birds. and like Wallowing in my <laughs> sadness. <laughs> yeah, just nothing nothing cute about that island. Like, it's storming. It's like the tempest. You're, You're like, in the middle of the rotting coconut in your hand. Yeah. Just a sad little sadcation or whatever. Yeah, there are like no cute animals on the island. It's all like just cold, 
salty and shit. Yeah, like the air isn't like good ocean air. It's just like makes your hair gross the minute you wake up in the morning. Ohana means family. And family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. I get a lot of flack from my friends, though, for doing this um, because I'll just let people introduce themselves to me and I'll be like, nice to meet you. <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> I, guess, I just don't like the idea of people talking about me or thinking about me. It's kind of weird to think that you so have, weird. like, people have an opinion and idea of, like, who you are and sometimes that's totally wrong. Mm-hmm. So weird. Or, like, if I say hi to them weirdly yesterday... Then I'm going to be thinking about that for 50 years. Yep. Like, That's I said hi to an acquaintance the other day, and I was like, an acquaintance. And an acquaintance, yes. Mm. And I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> Literally, like, the voice cracking. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean, yeah, I get super self-conscious of, like, my poet voice, mm. for sure, all the time. Because um, people, I don't know, make comments about it, or, like, it's just such a thing. I feel like my poet voice has, like, changed a lot as I stopped slamming, but it's definitely still, like, a voice. <laughs> Two poems for you. Um, this first poem is has a little bit of a story to it, which is that I have a friend, her name is Chloe, and she asked me if she could interview me for a school project she was doing. Yeah. She asked if we could interview me. She asked me loads of questions about my life. And afterwards, she sent me a transcript, which is that she just wrote everything I said word for word. And I read it, and I realized I used the word like every three words. Oh my. And I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was like that bad. Um, and so I wrote a love poem to the word like. Uh, and it's called An Ode to Like, and it's a sonnet. Oh, like piping that. Like bloated icing between each word, a train-like coal shoveler. Cutting through the straight valley girl styles the sun in her mouth. Expanding in queerly compound swish, oh invisible flinch. Broken space heater. Oh bendy straw like balloon of a word. Blight on my crops. Mm -hmm. Like cropped out each text like before the send. Unless yeah. I forget to. And I was like, like I still don't know if this was a date or just a pot simmer. Huh? A lip filler. Going lumpy like through light years of weight, but like, I'll say, straight from my mouth, I like, like her, a lot, lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Hi, this is Essie. Okay. Welcome to the channel where. Today we're going to be talking about. Today we are going to be discussing the. What, what is life? What, what is love? <laughs> do you do you know the meaning of love? <laughs> no one makes fun of spoken word or slam poets more than them. Like the amount of shit that my I mean my friends and I have this like ongoing gag where like one of us will whenever any of us accidentally says something deep, which is often or like says something that sounds poetic someone else will go which is to say my body oh my god and then you just go <laughs> and so you good. just like which is to say my body is a grocery store and you just <laughs> so like good. paper clip the f out of it um <laughs> which is like a term 
that uh, came from like the line my heart is a paperclip uh-huh. and just makes fun of like making ridiculous you know abstractions for no reason that like don't serve the poem at all or just meant to sound deep it's so um, good though it's so good and it's so funny and like no one loves doing it more than poets but mm-hmm. i think that sometimes when it, it bothers me sometimes when it comes from like outside the community mm-hmm. because sometimes when it's coming from outside the community it's just coming from this way that's like pretty elitist mm-hmm. and like making fun of slam or spoken word as like a lowbrow art or like not Mm. real poetry whatever the fuck that means that can just get really racist in classes really fast because there's a lot of like amazing poets of color and a lot of like poets who would not normally get a spot in the academy who Mm -hmm. are gaining huge followings and doing incredible brilliant work um because they started in slam spaces so roland barth's writes about the fact that there is no way to place words in a configuration that would be truly original because there's already so much literature out there. So a book is essentially just a tissue of signs. I imagined like a Frankenstein sort of thing of old (laughs) pieces of language that have already been put together into something which is like conceivably new. And that this sort of signifies, or <laughs> getting, getting all messed Signifier. up, the death of the author, and the author no longer exists, and is sort of a vessel for this language, which is like repeating itself. So Emma's in the midst of taking literary <laughs> theory and writing her fiction thesis, which yes. is pretty intense. And this is me really extrapolating my own feet, like mystical uh, spin on this whole thing. Uh, but that is. That is what I think, and I think that's such a cool concept that, like, there's there's just this language out there that is, like, this amorphous, powerful thing that's dictating everything in all of our minds. And when somebody sits down to write, the language itself is what is causing, like, that to come through you, and there's nothing to do with the individual writer. And so being Mm -hmm. a writer for the first time right now, writing this, like, fiction thesis, I was like, yeah, this feels liberating. And and do you feel the same way about language in general even spoken language do you feel like anyone could have had the conversation we're having right now interesting that language is speaking the person i mean that is also i can't remember who says that but someone literally says that in one of the things that we read like language speaks you maybe it was lacan um i think not in particular this specific conversation um but i don't think that anything that we're saying is particularly original Mm. to the fact that like the evolution of language and like along with it culture gives birth to ideas that have nothing to do with the individuals who maybe came up with who voiced them first maybe you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying i was always sort of too spoken wordy for the you know intellectual only for the mm-hmm. page i only write about mangoes and not real things type of poet <laughs> <laughs> um but then i was like too like for the page i only write about mangoes mm-hmm. for the the <laughs> like slam audiences yeah. And sort of, like, ended up in this weird middle space between sort of, like, more abstract, heady poetry and more mm-hmm. literal, concrete. Because um, I really like sitting in that middle space of mm-hmm. of mixing, like... Formal and informal. Yeah, kind of, yeah. really formal and real. I mean, not really formal. Kind of formal <laughs> and very, very informal language. Wait, do them just so I can say why I hate them. Okay. Ready? 
about your synesthesia oh yo synesthesia is well okay i feel like i should attribute other sensory feelings to senses you know like i can well i mean like we all have the feel the beat or wow that's a really loud pattern Mm. you know but like i think it goes beyond that i think senses should combine that's so cool like do you think you feel that way about people's voices like they have colors or like they, they oh, totally. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what color is my voice? Yeah, kind of minty and bright blue. Ooh. Kind of soothing. That's nice. But also not freezing, you know. I have never met a freezing voice. Freezing? Like some people have really warm voices, like warm tone, but I get cool tones like from your voice. It's really, and for me, I think of myself as like kind of a light, a light periwinkle blue. Ooh. <laughs> I love a periwinkle. Okay, I'm, that was awesome. I don't have any other ideas, honestly. <laughs> I want to do like a like a shoo it up, bop, ba da ba, shoo it up, bop, ba da ba, shoo all of the goofiness that any of us could ever manifest it was really an incredible way to uh, play back my dynamics with my friends and the ways that we make sound and make music together spontaneously and how harsh we are with ourselves or how accepting and, and freeing we are with each other This project has given me so much in terms of my confidence level, in terms of my ability to connect with other people. I think that we don't acknowledge how much courage it takes to listen to ourselves with the same intent and compassion that we listen to our friends with. And I'm just really grateful that I've been given the opportunity to appreciate the sound of my own voice and find my appreciation for other people's voices thank you so much for listening and this has been here for you okay signing off i love you bye 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 bye